Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Out to Lunch podcast. This is the fourth episode of the software adoption series hosted by Hans Ube and Yip Ten Bosch. Today, we sit down with David Aberly from Sapphire Systems, and he talks about his role in the company's change from being a strong on-prem partner to their journey to the public cloud, and how they've supported their customers throughout this journey. Let's dig in. Yeah, not had lunch yet. I think I'm probably going to be uh, on salad today. Something healthy, I think. My, my nice. wife is. Uh, my wife makes me eat healthy these days with the summer holidays coming up, as uh, as you can imagine. Yeah, getting yeah. ready and in shape, right? It's a little <laughs> bit like moving to the cloud, getting getting ready for the future, right? That's it. That's it. Yeah, you got to get the beach bod, beach bod ready for the summer holidays, haven't you? So there's a bit of work to do there, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> You're not alone. You're not alone. <laughs> it's all good. Hey, Dave. So, so um, to dive straight into it, um, you guys have have seen a massive transformation over the years, right? Um, I know that you guys have touched R2, R3, um, S4, and now are uh, pioneering into S4 public cloud. Um, and I think one of the things that we're interested in is how this change, especially from all the on-prem uh, solutions now into a cloud solution, went down for you guys. And what are some of the main obstacles that you had to take um, with your team, especially in methodology and, and, and the processes around uh, delivering software that way? Like, can you share some of the best practices of how you guys went through that change and managed it? Yeah, sure. Um... I mean, when we, we put the teams together and we started growing the practice, we, we consciously went for a more sort of balanced team. So we've, we've got people that have come from, you know, that R2 ECC background, the on-premise background, um, and they bring with them a certain set of skills around large enterprise and, um, you know, discipline around, uh, you know, some of the processes. But we've also got a bunch of guys from the B1 and BYD camp as well, because we we cater for all the different, you know, sort of mid-market products within SAP. Um, and they'd already been using, um, you know, cloud-based methodologies uh, in the past. So, yeah, it was interesting to see how they sort of worked together in the in the first few projects. Um do, do you really see, uh, Dave, sorry to, to jump in, but do you really yeah. see that the guys that have a more native cloud background are, um, let's say, guiding and coaching the guys that come from on-prem? Do you see um, uh, like a material difference in mindset between those two types of people? Well, they're, they're used to implementing software for, you know, smaller companies, mid-market companies. So they're not used to, you know, the large enterprise guys would be, um, you know, used to having blueprints and lots of documentation and lots of discussion around the design and, you know, a kind of a customized approach. Um, whereas the guys coming from, say, uh, SAP BYD or from the cloud, we used to more fit to standard uh, methodologies. So, um, you know, they're a lot quicker in implementation. They, um, um, you know, they got the methodology straight away, if you like. They, you know, they, they moved over to activate pretty quickly. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, you know, the, we found that the guys that had come from, from large enterprise brought, um, a lot of, uh, knowledge around, um, you know, business process excellence though, as well, which is, which is what we needed. Um, mm -hmm. so that we, we, we kind of took the mix and we took the best from both sides and, yep. you know, it was kind of everybody sort of met in the middle, if you like. Yeah. So 
cross-pollination, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think what is interesting, what you're saying, right, is the mix makes it, right, in terms of you try to transfer home, you bring the two teams together. One maybe interesting follow-up on that is, what, what, because I think this you alluded to this big difference between starting with a blueprint versus fit to standard. How do you see the customers reacting to it, right? Because also being long time in the ERP business, it was like uh, the holy grail of running an ERP project is you first do the blueprint and exactly ask the customer how they want to have it. And now we somehow flip this around and say, no, no, we this is fit to standard and you only look for the true differentiating elements and then you build them on top. Um, how do you feel that you get your teams equipped to it and how do customers react to it? And then you get your team in, into the right mindset to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our experiences so far is, you know, dealing with sort of more mid-market customers that want to go to S4 HANA public cloud um, is that the customers will adopt the cloud mindset. I mean, they say they will anyway at the beginning um, and they will, um, you know, go through the process. Um, but, um, you know, you've got to keep emphasizing that because, you know, it isn't long before, you know, they start wanting customized reports they won't stick to the standard analytics. So it's a constant, um, you know, reminder that, you know, the whole purpose of the project is to, is to fit to SAP standard. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think the customers, uh, you know, um, will, especially in the mid market, they're sort of used to it. So they will, uh, they will adopt it. Um, you've just got to keep reminding them and, you know, and it's got to filter down obviously from the, uh, not just the sort of sponsorship uh, and the steering group, but down to the actual sort of key users as well. And what you're saying is it becomes relevant that you manage the stakeholders better, right? Because that is the, I mean, you nicely phrase it reminding, right? Uh, but it's at the end, it's the customer, right? And, and how do you equip your people that they can do this reminding in a, in a meaningful way that the project doesn't get stuck, right? And that you convey and, and get the customer into this cloud mindset. Did you run any trainings for your people? How did you get them? Or is it more learning on the experience? Yeah, I mean, all the guys have been through the sort of certification process as well. Um, and, you know, we, we do internal sessions on sort of cloud mindset for all the all the new starters that have come from sort of a large enterprise background. Um, but with the customers, obviously, in the prepare phase of Activate, um, you know, the cloud mindset assessment is a, is a big uh, is a big deliverable for that for that phase. So we do spend some some time on that. Um and, you know, we make sure that, um, you know, that principle is bedded into the project charter. Uh, we have a project charter, as, as, as most people do. We tend to bring that out every now and again when, you know, people are wavering a little bit and deciding that they want to uh, sort of have a custom built process in certain areas. Um, and we point out the, you know, the benefits of uh, fitting to standard. Uh, sometimes we have to look at a change request and and look at the total cost of ownership of not fitting to standard so you know when you cost that out um, and look at the long-term costs then people can see that um you know by not fitting to standard it will be uh, quite a costly option in the long term yeah no uh, that, that's an interesting one because i i think that really talks right is is hey, if you don't and stick to standard you're gonna you're gonna have to continuously um uh, with all the upgrades do customization and 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 uh, adapting everything that's customized to the new standard right so i think in essence in essence money talks that right and and business cake is uh, case is quickly quickly made 
Um, how much time do you think, like versus the on-prem world, right, where pretty much 100% or 90% was, was spent on the technical side and just building and coding and so on. But now in the cloud, I can imagine that a lot more time is spent on actually guiding and coaching the customer on business processes and change management. Like, do you do you see, like, what's the, the average, let's say, percentage or, or the amount that your team is now spending on that part because it requires a different profile of people even and, and different different skill set like is it yeah yeah definitely i mean we have a sort of uh principle where we we stick to what we call core foundation in in what we call release one so the idea is is to, is to put in the foundational processes first um you know get to go live as a quick win you know, experience that go live uh, process and then look to build on that in release two and then release three. And that's that's sort of our mantra for the for the projects. Um, when we look at the explore phase and, and we talk about business processes, we, we do go through those, but we don't spend nowhere near as the amount of time we used to spend in uh, in, in the design phase in, in the on-prem projects. You know, we spend less time in PowerPoints and more time in the system. You know, I think back in the, you know, if you think back to the on-prem projects, there was a lot of time in the blueprint design phase, lots of PowerPoint slides, lots of discussion about processes. We we go through that fairly quickly. We get into the system and we get to a point where the co customer can actually start using the system themselves. And we found that is um, uh, a quicker way for them to adopt the processes rather than just, you know, kind of walk through some flow charts. I think no, it's a great opportunity, right, in the cloud that you move away from this. Uh, you, you only touch the system at the end to the end user education starts in the process, right? So, so it sounds you're really moving more in, a, in an agile motion of, of delivering, right, with your release phases. Um, did you build a real concept? How do you expose this to the customer, this, this phased approach of, of, of release? And does it then shorten? What do you see as the average time for this release one phase for, for a customer? Is it really quick? Well, yeah, I mean, it can be really quick. It obviously depends on the scope of what we want to put into release one. You know, if we're if we can minimize the scope of release one without having to build too many sort of temporary interfaces, if you like. Um, then, you know, the minimum amount of time is usually around about three months. Um, the normal amount of time that we've seen so far is around about seven to eight months uh, to get to go live. Um, and that's not because of the time it takes for us to configure the system, for instance. It tends to be driven by the amount of um, data migration that's involved. Yeah, you know, we, that data migration and, and interfaces tends to be the critical path of the project. So, you know, the more we can help in that area, uh, the more we can um, speed up the amount of time it takes to, you know, to get the data clean, get it transformed, get it into the system um, and then test on top of it. Um, then that that usually drives the end, uh, the, the first release go live date. And do you typically find that customers need to do a lot of work on that data migration or the cleanup, especially? And 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 do they have the resources ready to do that? Yeah, and and that's that's one of the key challenges, I think, because the activate methodology puts data migration as a deliverable for the customer. Um, and in the past, we've seen customers really struggle with that because they they don't have the experience, they don't have the people. Um, 
and we've had to supplement that with extra services later on. So we've now come up with a sort of a, a bronze, silver, gold option when it comes to data migration services. Um, and then depending on on cost, obviously, they can uh, they can take more services from us in order to try and speed up the project. Um, but, yeah, you know, uh, you know, one of the reasons they, they sort of move into a new system is um, usually the data in their old system is, is, is not that great. So, you know, if we're just going to put the same data in the new system, then, you know, we're going to have similar problems that they had before. So trying to get time to actually cleanse the data is, is absolutely key, really. Yeah. And that's something that you probably raised pretty much from the first hour. Um, yeah. Because... Yeah, I think That's every consultancy. I'm, I'm pretty sure every every you know consultancy says the same thing at kickoff and points out the risks. Um, but you know, it always seems to be the thing which is is driving the, the milestone. So, so yeah, we're looking at different options how to how to help on that side of things. Um, yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, but I think it's a good one that you have this office, right? Because then it becomes more tangible. Because I also think a lot of customers always underestimated right it's like why should it be so complex and, and and i mean especially if if maybe the the environment they're moving out is less structured than than a full-blown erp system then, then you go down to um moving data out of an access database or even access spreadsheets just makes the world slightly more complex in this, in this project but it's good that you have this making it tangible for the customers with the key offerings i think there's something i really like and, and sounds awesome yeah, I mean, it's a big thing. I mean, a lot of customers, they want to transform. They, they want a digital transformation. But that sort of silver bullet of thinking, well, we just run this project and then that's it, um, is a little bit um, naive, really, in a way. I mean, we have to agree a sort of a bit more of a commitment to sort of ongoing um, improvement and a sort of commitment to process excellence and process compliance as well. Um, because we spend a lot of time cleaning the data up, getting the data in. Um, we've got to then make sure that people follow the processes post-alive, um, including the data governance processes as well. Um, otherwise, within six months, we see the data deteriorate. They don't trust the analytics yeah. anymore, and we're back to square one. But then, So do you have there also something put in place how to how to get the customer and keep the customer engaged and also support the customer, what you most likely then would call the release two, so the second phase of, of the project. How, how, do you, how do you set there the right cloud mindset, coming back to cloud mindset, not only in the initial phase, but also in the ongoing phase? Uh, what do you see there as the levers to get the customer into it? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, you know, it starts from way back in the discovery when we, you know, we put... Um, an enterprise sort of roadmap together. Um, we look at like a you know three-year roadmap, for instance, um, you know, and we say, look, you know, the the, the key for the, the first release is is the foundation. Get that in as a bedrock, um, and then we agree with the customer what the other sort of areas we would look at in in release two, uh, and possibly even release three. So, for instance, automation of processes, although it's sort of tempting to put that in in the first release. Um, we tend to look at uh, putting that in the second release. Um, go live as quick as possible. Um, you know, with the, understand how to manually run the processes first, then look at automating those with something like RPA in release two, um, as an example. 
and and other things as well you know we look look at the other intelligent technologies machine learning which is available now um more about uh, analytics in release two as well um so there's a whole bunch of things but i think in the past people have tried to do too much too soon um and then we're back to a sort of a you know a large enterprise project where we've got a much longer time to go live yeah and i think what is crucial there i think in my opinion and, and i'm curious to hear your thoughts is to make sure that this is not an it run project but truly a business run project where you have also including the comments you made about data cleaning that you have both it the business, um, marketing, the data people at the customer, everybody needs to have a seat at the table when the three-year plan is, is built and everybody understands their role and everybody has a somewhat equal say in, into when you're ready for the next step. Because obviously, I mean, the tech says, hey, we can do release two, but if the business is not ready, then it needs to uh, it needs to slow down. Or if the data is not clean, you need to slow it down, right? So it's I think it's truly important that you have like a holistic team um, as a steering committee on the customer side, as much as, as on your side, like what is your yeah. experience? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And again, you know, you know, the business change deliverable is it tends to be put onto the customer uh, within activate in order to keep the cost down. Um, but again, it's one area that we see is, isn't really, um, you know, focused on enough really from, from the customer side, purely because they just haven't got the people and the time to to spend on that so it's another area that we can that we've tried to provide an optional service on on the OCM to provide a change manager and yeah when you're in in the thick of a project and you're you know you're testing training trying to get interfaces to work and cleaning data all at the same time you can lose sight of why we're actually you know putting this technology in in the first place so there's got to got to be a constant connection to the you know the business benefits and you know the longer term uh, strategy really um, you know why why the technology is going to enable certain things for the business um, and we've got to obviously you know we need somebody focused on that throughout the project um, not just all the sort of technology piece which we you know we 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 get into uh, we get into the detail on yeah cool hey we're running towards the end of uh, the conversation. Um, thanks so much for sharing all your thoughts and, and your wisdom with us and your experiences. Um, I think it's really valuable that we that we share these kind of things with uh, with the ecosystem and, and with, uh, with our listeners. Um, I won't let you go, though, before asking one sort of um, traditional question where we always end the podcast with, which is if you had the chance to have lunch with somebody else than Hans and me, um, who would that be? Like, who's your inspiration? Who do you look look up to? Like, whose brain do you want to pick uh, pick out on? Um, if you were able to have lunch with just anybody, like in the past uh, or present, or who's your favorite candidate? Well, you know, I'm an old R2 guy, right? So, you know, we've always enjoyed Hassel Platner's speeches at the, the Sapphire. You know, we always felt he was a genuine guy and he was a real visionary really when you look yeah. back um but also now christian klein um i think is uh is, is a fantastic ceo for sap 
Um, and he's uh, he's somebody else that we sort of look up to as well. So if we if I could have lunch with both of those guys um, and ask, you know, Christian, you know, what's he going to change in the next five years with SAP and see what Hassel thinks, then that would be an interesting conversation, I think. Yeah. I'm sure they have lunch together uh, every now and then. So you just need to uh, shove in one more seat and then you can use it all. <laughs> yeah. Back to them and just have a casual yeah. lunch. Listen, yeah, listen yeah. To them. And you stick to this theme, right? You stick to the theme. You need to mix both worlds, right? The new cloud world and the old to get the best out of it. So, so I think you would have to get exactly this discussion, but, but it's quite cool. Sounds good. Cool. Hey, thanks so much again for your time. And um, uh, it's great, again, it's great to hear uh, all your thoughts and uh, looking forward to, uh, to see you continue the journey that you guys are on. Yeah, good to be here. Yeah, thank, good to talk to you, Jans. Always good thank to you. talk to you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Auto Lunch Podcast. If you enjoyed it, press the link in the description and make sure to leave us a quick review just to make sure that we're doing everything that you want this podcast to be. Also, a big shout out to David Aberley from Sapphire Systems for coming on the pod today. Have a great week.